Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. What a joy for us this morning to be here with you all in celebrating the goodness of the Lord and His faithfulness in our life. I want to take this time to welcome each one of you to the house of God. Hallelujah. The last one week has been uh, indeed an eventful week. So many of our brothers and sisters have lost their loved ones. Pastor A.J. Chako lost his younger brother in Houston and yesterday was the funeral service. Brother Kuryachan lost his older brother to cancer. Just diagnosed three weeks ago, but he went to be with the Lord on Friday morning. And yesterday morning we know that also Maddie's mother 87 years old. As we know, this week was a hard week, difficult week. Early on this week in Monday, on Monday itself, she was very sick. But then she bounced back a few more days so that she could meet some more people. And you know, my kids were making kind of fun of me as we were driving back on Friday night. Dad, you sing too loud. And you sang, that's why Amachi just woke up. She's not going. So... Next time you take you only when, you know, somebody's dead, then only we will take you, you know. Anyhow, um, but how much you went to be with the Lord. Last Thursday, the previous week, we had the opportunity to visit her and the Malayalam song that we sang today, that was one of the songs that we sang with Amachi that day. And we rejoiced in the Lord. We, we celebrated, hallelujah, uh, with God. And I'm, I, I didn't know this, they picked this song for today's worship set. But I'm so thankful to God that we, as we were singing, you know, uh, I was just remembering, reflecting on those precious moments with Yeramachi that day. Because after that, we never got an opportunity to actually talk. She prayed for us, she blessed us that day. We uh, thank God for that blessing, the covering of prayer over us. Uh, We grieve with the family. We stand in solidarity with all of these families in our church who are undergoing bereavement. May the Lord continue to console them and comfort their hearts this coming weekend. Friday and Saturday Friday evening here and Saturday morning at New Hope Cemetery, we will continue on with the services. So also early this morning, early this week, we were also uh, kind of like shocked to hear about one among us sisters who was diagnosed with first stage cancer. It's indeed hard and difficult uh, to get those kinds of uh, news and those kinds of uh, diagnosis. But we know for sure that you know in the past God has been good to us. He will continue to guide us. He has done it in the past and he will do it again. Amen. We believe that and we stand in solidarity with Pastor Rajesh Sebastian and his family. May the Lord continue to guide them and lead them in this in this hour of need. Continue to pray for them. So also, uh, Gracie Alexander Auntie, as we know, she underwent a major surgery yesterday. A craniotomy to remove some bleed. And they were able to do it successfully and uh, we thank God for that as well. This morning, texting lovely, she said, she's, uh, except the pain of the surgery, she's doing very well. She's bossing us around. So that means that she's really doing good. Amen. 
We thank God for uh, God's goodness and faithfulness uh, through all these challenging moments in our life. Church, uh, this morning, allow, uh, allow me to share with you some of, the, some of the thoughts that the Lord has impressed upon my heart. And continuing on from where Pastor Linson has been teaching us, uh, taking us through a journey in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, I want to share with you uh, Gospel of Mark chapter 6, verse 45 onwards, a beautiful story, uh, another, yet another miracle story in, in this, in this uh, Gospel. Gospel of Mark chapter 6, verse 45 to 52. You have your Bibles, I'll just read it very quickly. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. If you continue on reading verse 53 to 55, 56, you begin to see, when they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret and moved to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment and as many as touched this morning, I believe that the presence of the Lord is here to do the same amazing, miraculous things in our life as well. Amen. If you believe that, say amen. Hallelujah. We want to acknowledge everyone who's joined here, and especially if you're joining us for the very first time in our in-house worship, we want to say thank you for joining us this morning. God bless you. Uh, thanks for being here. You may have noticed that in this passage, uh, uh, the word immediately comes quite often. If you read the Gospel of Mark, more than 40 times that word immediately at once has been used. And as Pastor Linson rightly mentioned, you know, we've been mentioning it, this is a, indeed a fast-paced, action-filled, like nothing, you know, you know very, very close to an action movie, like a thriller movie, where the suspense has already been there. You know, unlike Matthew, who, who, who does a scholarly work, unlike Luke, who does a scholarly work of tracing the genealogy of Jesus, the biography of Jesus, or even John, who does a contemplative, hallelujah, oh, Jesus, he was with God in the beginning, and then he became flesh and came and dwelt among us. Mark has nothing of this. He starts off right away with what? With the preaching of John the Baptist, and then he goes into the preaching of Jesus, and then he, one after the other, he lays out all the, the, the miraculous stories just to emphasize what it means to be in the presence of Jesus. This morning, allow me to share with you one of the theme that this gospel teaches us is the theme of discipleship. What it means to follow Jesus. Who is Jesus? So that's the title of the sermon. Who is Jesus? From the eyes of the disciples. Because throughout this, uh, this scripture, throughout the gospel, you will begin to see that Mark paints a beautiful picture Although, although we understand that at some point the disciples did not understand him, they were not they were hardened in their heart, yet they kept close to Jesus. Scholars are of the opinion that you know, most biblical scholars that Mark's gospel is considered to be the first written gospel. 
among all the four gospels probably in the middle of ad 60 you recall in colossians chapter 4 verse 10 uh, paul introduces us as to who is mark mark is a cousin of barnabas is a cousin of barnabas and in second timothy chapter 4 verse 12 paul says concerning him that bring john mark he's been useful to me in ministry so paul is already where in rome and he's saying that bring john mark also with me with you to come to rome so that he can meet me so probably we understand from that that mark is at this point in rome the capital and uh, early fathers church fathers said that mark continued on as an interpreter for peter he continued on as a disciple of peter peter never wrote a gospel peter never wrote a gospel but this gospel can be seen as a gospel of peter because these were the stories that peter shared and john mark wrote and early church fathers are of the opinion that because of the credibility of peter that this gospel was included in the new testament canon because otherwise who is john mark but we understand that john mark was not an ordinary figure either because the early church met in the house of john mark how do we know that acts the book of acts teaches us that Acts chapter one was in the Acts chapter one. You you are reminded that the disciples went to the upper room and they were praying. It was not told us whose house was that. But you come to Acts chapter twelve, verse thirteen. You begin to see there when Peter got delivered out of prison, he straight went to the house where the church was praying for him, and that house belonged to whom? John Mark. And John Mark's mother Mary and John Mark they owned this house. So most of the you know biblical scholars are of the same opinion that this was the same house where the holy spirit fell upon them this is the same house that in an upper room these are guys who had some considerable wealth in first century owning a house today if you go and visit uh palestine if you go and visit israel today you will be able to see the upper room and close to the upper room you will see the tomb of david uh the the uh the tomb of david where he is entombed and you will be also able to see that that is very close so when peter is preaching on the day of pentecost in chapter 2 of acts he is able to say david died and his tomb is right here among us because there was like almost you can see from your eyes from the upper room that the david's tomb is right there so that's who mark is so what happened is mark mark is associated with the early church he knows some of the disciples but then came paul to jerusalem Paul came to Jerusalem because Paul and Barnabas they were bringing some gifts for the church in Jerusalem because they were going through a severe famine and John Mark got the opportunity through his cousin Barnabas to meet Paul and then Paul and Barnabas went back to Antioch because Antioch was by this time developing growing to be a very important second city after Jerusalem a center of Christianity and John Mark went with them and there is in chapter 13 of acts you find that the holy spirit said set apart for me paul and barnabas for the ministry that i have for them and paul and barnabas embarked on their first missionary journey and who went with them yes john mark went with them but you read in chapter 13 itself of acts that at some point he came back returned back to jerusalem so mark had this great desire he had the great desire to follow jesus he had the great desire to follow the disciples and the apostles but at some point i we don't know for sure for what reason he came back he deserted them in the big, in the middle so when paul and barnabas wanted to go on the second missionary journey in acts chapter 15 john mark 
Barnabas, because he's cousin, he wanted to take John Mark with them. Paul said, no, we cannot take him. He deserted us in the past. We don't want unfaithful people. We don't want unreliable people. We want people who are fit and reliable, we can, who can, whom we can take. So what happened? Because of that, Paul and Barnabas had a big fight, a division among them. Wow. So Paul went with Silas, and you find in Acts chapter 16 onwards, the second missionary journey of Apostle Paul with Silas. You don't find much about John Mark thereafter, but you read a, a singular passage there. It says that Barnabas took John Mark and took him where? He took him to Cyprus. And in Cyprus, Barnabas mentored whom? He mentored John Mark. Today, when you and I read the Gospel of Mark, you and I can be thankful to God for the ministry of Barnabas who was able to minister another young man who seems to be unreliable, who seems to be untrustworthy. Hallelujah. But he mentored them. And what happened? Because of his mentorship, Paul is able to write in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he is now useful for me in ministry. At some point, Paul and Barnabas, Mark and Paul, they were able to become good friends and Mark became useful for Paul also in ministry. We can never give up on people, church, because you never know when God can come through for anyone. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a beautiful passage. And therefore, this, this, this is a whole story. Some, some, of, some are of the opinion that you get a glimpse of who Mark is in, in his gospel, chapter 14, verse 51 and 52. You read about a young man who was following Jesus in the night that Jesus was arrested. And then what happened? The soldiers caught hold of him. He left his outer cloak and he ran away naked. Why would someone think of putting that one, two paragraph right there in the gospel? Have you ever thought? Unless that is coming from your own experience. Unless that is coming from your own experience. So yes, he wants to follow Jesus, but there are times when he is afraid. And that's when, you know, you this, this whole gospel, you can see, there are several themes in this gospel, but discipleship is a big theme that John Mark continues to build on in this gospel. So I'm going to see this passage from the, from the, from the perspective of what it means to follow Jesus. What it means to follow Jesus. Because as I said in the beginning, and again last week also we heard, that at, at sometimes the disciples won't, don't even understand who Jesus is. They cannot see clearly. Sometimes they are caught in their own, uh, 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 what do you say, pettiness. Who is great among us? Sometimes, you know, selfishness is there, rampant among the disciples. Like John and James, we want to be seen with you. We want to be seated by your right hand and your left hand. Sometimes, you know, they, are, they don't even understand. They don't even care. But yet, they are with Jesus. They, you know, that's, that's the whole discipleship aspect of St. Mark. That he says it, discipleship for Jesus is so that he, they can be with him. They can be sent by him. They can learn from him. It is to walk with Jesus. No matter what the situation is. So writing to the first century church, when John Mark is penning his gospel, you know, what is he speaking to the church? What is he speaking to the young followers of Jesus Christ? We understand the challenges are great. You know, there, there can be events in your life over which you have no control. But stand fast. Hold fast. He is faithful. He will come. Even at the fourth hour of the night, he can come and meet you at the point of your need. Amen. Hallelujah. Beautiful, beautiful portrayal you know, of the discipleship aspect. There are several passages in this gospel. Mark's gospel chapter 8 verse 34 to 38. 
chapter 9 verse 35 to 37, chapter 10 verse 35 to 45. All these passages talk about the discipleship aspect that St. Mark wants to portray before us. Hallelujah. But let me share with you very quickly something that the Lord has uh, uh, impressed upon my heart. Number one, first and foremost, following Jesus as a disciple means that you follow after the course that Jesus charts for you. As a disciple, you don't chart the course of your life. He charts the course of your life. That's what we read in verse 45. What, what do we read in chapter 6 verse 45? Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Hmm. The disciples just had their aha moment. What was the aha moment? Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. What a great opportunity. And the people were already talking about making him the king. The people were already speaking that he is a prophet. Read along with this chapter 6. Read Gospel of John 6 also. You get to see the, the, the complete picture. It is in that moment, Jesus says, it is not good for you to be here right now. You know, when Jesus took the disciples over to the Mount of Transfiguration, what did Peter say? Lord, what a great revelation. Let's be here. We don't want to leave this experience. This mountain experience is so beautiful. We want to stay here. We want to be put here. But what did Jesus say? What did the heaven say? Listen to him. He is the son. Listen to him. And Jesus brings down to the valley. Who wants to go to the valley when you had a mountaintop experience? Nobody wants to do that. But sometimes Jesus is the one who charts the way for you and for me. Sometimes you and I are caught in situations and then we begin to ask, Lord, where are you? Is this your plan for my life? I am stuck here in the middle of nowhere. I cannot go anywhere. I cannot move anywhere. Amen. It was not their stubborn will to leave Jesus. Was it their stubborn will to leave? No. He made them. He pushed them. In Mark chapter 4 also, he, he told his disciples, let's go to the other side. And then they, what happened? Their, their boat was caught in a storm. He told them to go. When Jesus commands and when his disciples us, when he says, follow me, and then again you go through the same situation. Church, can I tell you this morning, the storm did not show them that they had deviated from God's path. But God's path for them lay right through the storm. Can I reiterate that again? God's path for their life lay right through the storm. This morning you and I need to realize that following Jesus means following his order. Following, hallelujah, his commandment. Following his will. Following what he says. Yeah, we want to be on this side. What a beautiful moment. Let's bask in the glory of God feeding the 5,000. Let's bask in the glory. But Jesus says, no, that's not your will for, that's not my will for your life. One Sunday service, one Sunday sermon, hallelujah. We said, God, great, God. But that's not what God wants you and me. But sometimes he wants you and me to go into uncharted territories. Becoming uncomfortable in our situations. Why? Because he has a greater plan. Hallelujah. He's still the king. He doesn't want to disappoint us. Hallelujah. Because when people are going to make him king, that's what not he, who he wants. He wants to really, he wants us to see that he is being exalted on the cross. And then people will see he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Not a political messiah because that's 
not the expectation that Jesus wants to give. Brothers and sisters, sometimes he charts the course for you and for me and he takes you and me on journey that you and I never anticipate to walk through. But right there in the middle of that, hallelujah, can I tell once again, sometimes it is in the darkest moments of our life that you and I are able to experience the power and the presence of our almighty God. My imagination of them, sometimes in the boat, because of course they are like us. These disciples are just like us. They never lose their armor. Was there a need for this? We could have stayed there. I mean, sometimes I think about them. They didn't even bother to ask Jesus. I mean, do you want? Like a couple of us can stay here with us. You're dismissing the crowd. You need some assistance. You need some organization. You know, we, some of us are talented for that. We can do that. We can. you put them all on a boat is to go to the other side and i'll meet you there how are you going to get get there did they even bother to ask him how are you going to get there we are taking the boat with us how often church sometimes god brings us to situations and we see the hardship in our life and we begin to ask lord it doesn't make sense to us the 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 the, the pain the misery the agony the frustration doesn't make sense sometimes even ministry i'll tell you honestly you get despaired sometimes disappointed is this all about ministry in discipleship always remember this he sets the course for you and for me this is not your journey and my journey it is our journey with him amen hallelujah in hebrews chapter 12 we are reminded of his passage which says that run the race that is set before you run the race that is set before you you and i never charted the the journey the path in which you and i should be walking he set the path some of us may be going through pain and we may ask again and again this question lord why me and why my family why one after the other we are going through the same thing he says to you and me he's i set the path for you and i know you can endure in this path when we look at somebody else it always looks green on the other side isn't it because sometimes if they are put in the same situation they may not be able to handle it the lord knows the lord knows he sees so he sees you and me he understands that i and you can definitely face this storm this darkness he cares for them church can i tell you this he cares for his disciples so this is the disciples i mean he sets a course for us sometimes we don't it doesn't make sense to us but it's okay let's just follow him nonetheless let's just follow him because he cares for us you know whether the the scripture says after he had taken leave of them he went up on the mountain to pray in the gospel of mark paul mark doesn't mention too many times jesus praying only three times in gospel of mark chapter 1 verse 35 he said that jesus prayed just about the beginning of his ministry second time he prayed is during this time he sent his disciples on the other side he went to the mountain side by himself he's dismissing the crowd and then he's going to pray and the third time you find him praying is in mark chapter 14 in the garden of gethsemane he prays three times but all these three times were crisis moments or the beginning of a ministry or in the middle of a ministry or towards the end of a ministry jesus wanted to commune, commune with his father because he knew that prayer and through prayer i can get through this thing this morning church i can tell you something you know you know as church body also we can get through many challenges in our life through 
prayer. Amen. Through our communication, through our having, having firm relationship with our God, talking to Him. Sometimes our frustrations also take it to Him and give it to Him. Jesus prayed a practical application for us right there. But you know, Jesus saw them. I, I, I love that passage, verse 47. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land and he saw that they were making headway painfully. They were making headway painfully. What a beautiful passage there, you know. When I was, I was reading that passage, uh, the word used there for painfully is the same word that is used for torment or torture. Like means they were straining hard at the oars. They were straining hard at the oars. Like somewhere around 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, Jesus let them go. And right now it's fourth watch of the night. So almost 10 to 12 hours, they have been straining hard and they are not making headway anywhere. They are just going in circles. You remember the story? Jesus sent them to Bethsaida. And where did they land up in the end? They landed up in Gennesaret. They were spiritually lost. They were physically they were lost. Geographically they were lost. Not making any sense. Making headway. No headway. Painfully they were at the horse. Struggling hard. I don't know. All these 12 disciples in the boat may be saying. Maybe they are getting it at each other. Because that's the time when the devil gets to us. Isn't it? We may go at each other. Man, you are not doing the right thing. You know, go over this side, to the left side. Maybe. You know, this song came to my mind. And this is a Malayalam song we all know. straining at the oars and not making headway anywhere. We have been tormented and tossed and tortured going through the same motion again and again and again and not making headway anywhere. The care of Jesus is to be seen in him saying enough is enough. He saw them. He saw them. The Bible says he saw them. Geographically the Sea of Galilee is about, about 700 feet below the sea level and from Jesus at his the mountain he had a good vantage point. He could see them if it was daytime. But this is nighttime. Remember. This is nighttime. So for him to see them, it has to be supernaturally, not physically. It has to be supernaturally. The Holy Spirit has reminded me at that point, sometimes you and I straining at the oars, nobody else is able to see us physically, but he is able to see you and me supernaturally. Supernaturally. 
He saw them supernaturally through his eyes. My disciples are straining hard at the oars. He came for a rescue and a revelation moment. He came for a rescue and a revelation. Because the Bible doesn't say that he literally stilled the storm. No, he didn't say to the wind, cease. But he spoke to his disciples. Words of comfort. What did he say? It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. This morning the Holy Spirit is reminding you and me the same thing. He is speaking the same thing. It is I. Just like in the Old Testament. The Old Testament witnesses to the fact that God would come riding on the waves. God would come riding on the waves. Job chapter 9 verse 8. 38 verse 16. Psalm 77 verse 19. All these passages teach us that God, I mean, he walks on the recesses of the water. He comes, my hallelujah, riding on the waves. He alone can do. And here is the one who comes to give them a sublime revelation. It is I. The Greek word that is very powerful, that ego amy, it is I. I am. I am here. Hallelujah. This morning my Lord is speaking to us and he's reminding us enough is enough. You and I straining at the oars, it is, it is enough. Amen. The fourth watch of the night doesn't matter. He is able to come to our rescue and deliver us. Amen. Hallelujah. He comforts them with his words. There are so many, too many things to go through. But I, I just want to leave with you another, another key point. Because verse 51 says, And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. I'll invite the worship team to come, you know, to lead us in a time of worship. They were completely utterly astounded. In discipleship, oftentimes, Jesus challenges us. What is his challenge? His challenge is for you and me to connect the dots. To connect the dots. In chapter 6, verse 7, if you read, Jesus had already given them the authority over the unclean spirit. They can go and anoint, and they went and anointed the sick people, and they were healed. Then he fed the 5,000. They saw the miraculous. They saw the miraculous of the feeding. But suddenly, they're not able to see Jesus in the way that he walks on the sea. They are not able to understand it. It, it doesn't register to the mind. Because oftentimes, you and I are taken up in what? In the conventional way, the recognizable way of God's rescue in our life. Sometimes you and I are not even willing to give, hallelujah, to open up our eyes to see, no, my God can work in a different way that I never anticipated until now. Their hearts were hardened. They could not comprehend it. Church, Jesus is challenging you and me in our discipleship because when you read the next passages, you find this, the people were able to recognize who Jesus was. Sometimes it was hard for the disciples to recognize him. You know, Christian discipleship is always about like that. Sometimes we take one miracle and we think that it is a self-contained miracle in itself. But can I tell you something? Each miracle is not contained in itself. Each miracle is opening up something new for you and me to perceive and understand who Jesus is. If he can feed the 5,000, he's the same one who can walk on the waters too. Feeding of the 5,000, sometimes it becomes easy for you and for me to understand. Many times we had the same miracles, isn't it? We made food for 5 people, 15 people showed up. We somehow managed it. We can understand that. But can he walk on the water? When we are caught in the lonely moments of our life? When we feel that nobody is there to help me? When a diagnosis is just coming, just shatters us, shocks us? Or a good friend whom we loved has hurt us so much? It is in those moments also, my Jesus is faithful. 
So this morning, can we allow ourselves to see that He is faithful and He challenges you and me in our walk with Him every single day. A walk of faith. Hallelujah. Shall we rise to our feet this morning, church? Amen. Look to Jesus. Who is Jesus in your life? Can you declare who this Jesus is in your life? Go to the mission. Hallelujah. Is he the one who charts the course of your journey? Is he the one who comes to you showing his care for you? Is he the one who comes to comfort you? Is he the one who comes to challenge you? If he's challenging you this morning, where, where are you? They wanted to go to Bethsaida. They ended up in Gennesaret because Jesus had a, Jesus saw, perceived that that's where ministry is all about. That's where hungry people are waiting for me. Sometimes you, you and I may be thinking this is where I need to go. But he is saying to me, that, no, that is not the place. I will take you to a different destination because I am there with you in this journey together. But can we trust in his wisdom? Can we trust in his leading? Can we follow him as a shepherd of our life? Sometimes it may be through pain. Sometimes it may be through difficulty. Sometimes it may be through loneliness. Sometimes it may be through rejection. But can we trust him? Shall we give glory to God this morning, church? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.